Happy Father's Day. I've had a few Happy Father's Days directed at me. I don't know if it was prophetic. I'm not sure, but we don't have kids. But I received it anyway. Happy Father's Day, especially to all the fathers. But um, we want to acknowledge every guy in the service today. We recognize that Father's Day, while it's a great celebration and we can have a bunch of fun, it isn't always easy for everybody. Um, sometimes days like this can remind us of what we don't have in our lives. And we just want to acknowledge you. If you have had a dad in your life who's no longer with you, maybe he was absent and maybe you've had someone have to step into that role. And we acknowledge that this day may not be completely easy for you. I'm in that boat. My dad passed away about seven years ago. And so today, although I'm fine, I've been able to grieve and move on from that. It's just a reminder of things that not are, but I'm so grateful for a church family that we can support one another and we can still come and celebrate the goodness of our Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Well, on Father's Day, um, I think it wouldn't be rocket science to point out the fact that mums and dads are very different. Like, we're not even going to go into the list, right? Because we'd be here till Christmas. Like, mums and dads are very different. And um, for me growing up, um, my mum and dad split when I was two years old. They were never married. So I just grew up with a solo mum in the household. And so for me, my mum kind of acted as my mum and my dad. All right? So a lot of my dad's stories are really from my mum. But that's okay. But one thing that I've observed as a bit of a generalized rule, and I know it's not like across the board, but generally speaking, I feel like dads are usually the stingy ones, all right? I don't know if that resonates in your family, but as I've visited families, as I've chatted to friends, it's usually dads that are the stingy ones. Um, But for me, my mum, who acted as my dad, she was stingy because she had to fulfill both roles, right? So anytime she would give me any amount of money for any reason, every time I came home, she'd be like, where's the change, all right? She'd always ask for the change back. Um, Yeah, she would always ask for the change back. Apologies. Um, She would used to give me lunch money, right? And I would go to school because my mum never made me lunch for school, which I wasn't complaining about because I got money in the hand. And I would go to school and I'd have three, four or five dollars. And every time I would come home, my mum would be like, where's the change? And so I'm a smart kid. And I figured if I spent more, then I wouldn't have to give the change back, right? And so I could just spend all of the money and we should be like, where's the change? I'd be like, there isn't any change. She had no problem with that. Um, But because I'm a smart kid, I started to figure out that what I could do was not spend it all, save it, and just say that I did, right? Otherwise, lying. And so what I did is I would go to school with my lunch money, three, four, five dollars, and I would spend just enough to keep me alive, and then I would save the rest of it in the secret little piggy bank that I had. This was when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And over the course of a year, I saved up $80 so I could buy my friend Scott's color Game Boy with five games, including Pokemon Blue, Red, and Yellow. And it was, it was a good investment. Um, if I had change, I was going to keep it. If change was put into my hands, I was going to find a way to hold on to it. But dads, they're so funny. Because the truth is, like mums, dads make so many sacrifices for their children, right? They give up so much. They work long hours. Sometimes they end up working jobs that they don't love because they put the needs of their family first. They're so generous in that sense, and yet they're also so fixated on getting their change back. They'll be like, here, son, have $3,000 to buy a new car, but they send you to the dairy to get a bowl of milk. They're like, where's my 40 cents? Right? It's like they're so generous in one way, but they're so desperate to get their, their change back. My mum was like that. Like, my mum was super stingy. I remember, like, one time her accusing me of stealing her $1 coin off the kitchen counter. Now, side note, I did steal it. But <laughs> that's beside the point. When you're young, you got to hustle, right? And she accused me, and it blew my mind, like, how angry she got at this. Like, 
she went ballistic. Like, like voices were raised. She discussed a dinner plate at me, but I was matrix. So I dodged it and hit the wall behind me. And I remember being so surprised. Why is she like acting like this? And as I, I look back on it, I'm surprised because the truth is she was my mom. And she was a solo mom. So she did so much for me, right? She would, she gave us a house to live in. She would drop me at school. She would cook us meals. If mints every night is what you're after. I mean, that's a good situation if you like mints, a really bad one if you don't. <laughs> But she did so much for me, and yet the thought of me having her $1 coin was just unbearable. Different to that, I would spend as much time as I could at my friend's house because my home environment wasn't so good. And so I'd go and stay the night at my best friend Dale's house. And every time we would go around, it would be like after school on a Friday, his mum would give us like 10 or $20, and we were pumped, right? So we would take that money, we would skate down to the local video easy. Young people don't even know what that is anymore. And we would hire a PlayStation game and get some snacks. And then every time we would go back to the house, she never asked for the change back. His mom, his dad never, I was like, this is amazing. Like, what, this, what a setup. And so what we would do sometimes is we would skate to Video Easy. We would hire the game and we would forego the snacks so that we could save the money to hire a different game the following night. I remember being so amazed that they would give us money, but they wouldn't ask for the change back. I was like, that's so generous. And it was interesting because when they gave us money, when they put something into our hands, they actually wanted us to take full benefit of what they were giving us. They actually wanted us to enjoy the fullness of it and not give any of it back. See, stingy dads want their change back, but generous dads want the change to stay with us. And I, I want you to know this morning, maybe you've never heard this before, maybe you're visiting church for the first time, that our Father in heaven is like a generous dad. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 7 from verse 9 to 11. It says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask? He's like, you guys, you're a little messed up. Like there's sin in your life, like you're not perfect. And yet somehow you managed to muster up enough goodness to give good gifts to your children. If that's the case, coming from an imperfect person, how much more would your heavenly father who is perfect give good gifts to those who ask? See, our father in heaven is a good and generous God. And when he gives us things, he actually intends on us using those things to full benefit. He actually intends on those things transforming our lives. The problem is if you're anything like me, it's really hard to receive a gift. Um, we're often not too good at receiving gifts. We don't know what to say. Uh, you feel like maybe you don't deserve it. Maybe you feel a little awkward in receiving gifts. Uh, but this is the truth. God extends to us his free gift of grace. It's his unmerited favor. Grace is when God holds back from us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. You know, the Bible says that there's sin in all of our lives. In your life, in my life, there's sin that separates us from God. And the wages of sin, the consequence of that sin is death. So technically, that's what we should get. That's what we are deserving of because of the sin in our life. But God is a God of justice. And let me quickly explain to you why this is important and what this means. Because God is a God of justice, He is unable to act unjust. We say God can do anything. No, He can't. God has purposefully limited Himself to the truth of His Word and to the consistency of his character. He can't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if something is right, if something is just, he must act in such a way. He always does, and that means we can rely on him. So the fact that sin in our life produces the consequence of death, he can't just wipe that away. If he was to wipe that away, it means he would be unreliable, he would be inconsistent, he would be changing. But because sin deserves death, he must act in such a way. So he's like, essentially, the crime has been done, the penalty must be paid. 
And so he needs to redirect that penalty, but somebody has to pay for it. And he needs to redirect it somewhere. And that somewhere was the person of Jesus, that someone was the son of God himself. And so when you and I get this opportunity to accept that free gift of forgiveness, of grace, of freedom, of a brand new start, we know that we don't deserve it. We know that we've been imperfect. And this is why it can be a little hard to accept it. And because we can be a a bit cautious in accepting it, sometimes we think there's a bit of a catch. Like, nah, it sounds too good to be true. No one in my world loves me perfectly. No one in my world loves me despite my mistakes, and we say God does. And it can be really hard to accept it. And as a result, sometimes we don't live in the fullness of it. It's like we're just waiting for the catch. It's like we're just waiting for him to finally kick us out, but that's not who God is. You know, over our time as youth pastors, um, there was a couple of occasions when some youth leaders would come to us and they would want to break the news. Uh, that they want to step down as youth leaders. So we'd always like to have that conversation in person. And uh, when sitting across from them, I'd ask them why. And, and quite often their response was similar. I'd say, why is it? Why is it that you want to step down from being a leader? And they'd say, well, being a youth leader is a really important job. I said, I agree. They said, you know, like these young people, they need someone to invest into their life, to be a constant for them. I'm like, you're preaching now. Let's go, brother. And I'm like, okay, so what's the issue? They go, well, the truth is I just, I just can't give it what it deserves anymore. I can't give it 100%. My season is too much and I just, I can't give it everything. So what I'm going to do is pull out completely. And I'm like, what? Like pull out completely? And I have to have this conversation with them. And, and if that's their decision, that's fine. We re- release them with our blessing. But I'm like, you're meaning to tell me like, rather than just acknowledging that you're in a busy season, when we all go through different seasons, we all go through different parts of life where our availability is different. Rather than just having a conversation and seeing how you can be involved partially, because you feel like you can't give it everything, you just want to pull out completely? So, so, so these young people have gone from having a leader that's fully investing into their life to having nothing at all. And what I've observed as I reflect on these moments, which have happened a handful of times, is what I, I gather is happening here is these young leaders, these young adults have been given an amazing opportunity. I'll tell you the truth. I've never seen people come alive unless they're serving. Like the moment they're actually operating in their gifts, that's when they come alive. That's why it's so important to do growth check. And these young leaders, they they find community among the leadership group. They're using their gifts. They're making a difference. They're growing. They're developing their relationship with God. But then because they feel like they're letting God down, Because they feel like they can't give it everything they deserve, they decide just to back out of the whole thing. It's like God has brought change to their life and he's transforming their life and he's transforming the way that they serve other people and love other people. But because they feel like they can't give it everything, they try to give the change back. But our God in heaven, our heavenly father is like a generous dad. He brings change to our life. He brings opportunities to us, but he doesn't want us to give the change back. He's given us these opportunities so that we could fully experience the fullness of the life that he has for us. And you see, this gift of grace and salvation that God gives us, firstly, we have to understand that it's a free gift, that we don't deserve it. But we have to understand that its whole point and purpose is to transform our lives. You know what it does? It allows us to stay focused on what God has called us to even when we mess up. And that's all of us. We all mess up all the time, but it allows us to stay focused, right? It allows people like you and I, imperfect people, to have right standing with God. It allows us to see people in a completely different light because all of a sudden we get to see other people the way that God sees them. We get to see through the flaws to their true value. God's grace allows us to restore fractured relationships and it opens doors of opportunity. The bit that's hard to accept is the fact that we didn't earn any of it. This is the really hard bit. 
You say, someone like me? After all I've done, after where I've been, after the mistakes I've made, like, I don't deserve it. And the crazy thing about God's grace is that that's simply it. That's why we celebrate. That's why we say, thank you, God, for the goodness of your grace. Thank you for who you are, because we don't deserve it. And it leaves us in a position where we can't boast in our weakness. We can't say, well, I, I earned God's grace. I earned God's favor. We cannot do that. And that's why it's such a celebration at how good he is, because we're left in a place where all we can do is celebrate and boast in our weakness. That's what Paul said, wasn't it? He said, all I can do is boast in my weakness. The truth is God's grace changes us. It changes us. And there's change in our hands. There's change in our lives. And so often we just feel so inadequate that we try to give the change back. But God's like a heavenly father. He says, I've changed your life and keep the change. He says, keep it. Don't give it back. Don't give up on it. Don't turn your back on it. Don't try and hand it back because you feel unworthy. He says, I want you to acknowledge that I've changed your life, but you don't have to reason it in your own mind. See, so often it has to make sense up here. But actually, first it needs to rest in here, and then it makes its way up here. What's more important is that your life has changed. You won't ever understand the fullness of why God does what He does. But we recognize, thank you, God, for changing my life, and then we allow that grace to continue transforming us. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 5, from verse 1 to Paul. And this is Paul speaking. He says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. He says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Pause. Interjection. Are you ready? There are two ways to be made right with God. The Old Testament way, the Old Covenant, the Old Agreement was to follow all of the rules, to be perfect in your own strength. But Jesus came and he made a brand new way on the cross where he says, you don't have to measure up. I'll take your punishment on myself. It's a brand new way of grace. It's a new agreement. It's a new covenant, Old Testament, New Testament. And so what Paul is saying here is like, if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, if you're counting on your own behavior then what Christ did is pointless. He's saying, if that's the road you want to take, it's creating a whole lot of complications for you. He continues, he says, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, like if that's the path you want to take, if that's the category you want to jump into in terms of being right before God, he says, then you're going to have to obey every single law in the law of Moses. Every single one, all 613 of them. So he said, you can do that you can attempt to do that if you want, but no one's ever been able to do it. But the great news is that there's a brand new way, and it's a way of grace. And he says, for if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ, right? He says, you've, been, you've fallen away from God's grace. So he's like, there's two ways. You can do it in your own strength, or you can surrender to God and allow His grace to wash over your life, to forgive you, and give you that brand new start. What's it saying? It's saying that God has made great sacrifice in order for us to experience the freedom that we do. He gave up his son on a cross. This has already happened, right? We can't take this back. It's actually already a moment in history that has taken place. But you and I, we do get to choose if we accept it. The verse is trying to highlight that this freedom that's been made available to us has already been paid for. So if you keep trying to impress God with your actions rather than your surrender, you're actually cutting yourself off from the grace, from the freedom, from the change that God has already paid for. And so we're missing the point if we walk away and we ignore the change that's already been paid for. 
He's a generous father. He brings change to our life, but he says, keep the change. And God blesses us by transforming our lives. And when change does come to our world, uh, there's a couple of things that should happen. And they're in your notes here. I want you to take notes. Just two things that we're going to touch base on uh, really quickly this morning because I'm ready for some American hot dogs. That's going to be a good time. Uh, The first thing, when God changes our life, change should cause us to appreciate. Change should cause us to appreciate. See, the response to a free gift should always be gratitude. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Hands up if you've heard of that. A few people. Oh, it's like a Mexican wave. Heaps of people. Okay. Um, Essentially, there are these five languages. There are these five ways that people like to receive love. When, When that's expressed towards them, they feel love. And out of these five, usually there's default methods that each of us will use to show and express love. The five love languages, love languages, languages, are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and gifts. Darcy's top way to receive love is gifts. I'm like, dang it, I could have done the other four for free. (laughs) But she chooses the one that costs money. Strategic, she's good. Because Darcy feels really loved when she receives gifts, she knows how to receive them. It's easy for her. But for me, Gifts is not one of my tough, my, my top love languages. It's not like I don't like and appreciate a cheeky wee gift, but when given to me, I feel a little awkward. Like I don't quite know how to accept it, right? Well, at least I used to. I, I had to learn to navigate the challenge of receiving gifts. People would give me gifts on my birthday, Christmas, and I would just feel so awkward. I didn't know what to say, and I felt like they were just giving it out of obligation. I felt like a burden. I felt like I just didn't know what to do. And so what I needed to do was remind myself of what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God addresses every problem, every challenge that we face. And I remember reading that Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I don't know if you've read that before. I was like, that's got to be a typo. Like, that sounds the other way around. Jesus himself is saying, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm like, Are you, I will take receiving any day of the week, right? But if that's true then this is the truth. If you deny someone giving you a gift, you're actually robbing a blessing away from them. This is crazy. This is upside down thinking. If God's word can be trusted, which it can, then the one giving the gift is far more blessed than the one receiving it. That's weird. There is something innate within us that finds joy and satisfaction in being generous. Why? Because you and I were created in the image of God. And so every time we do anything that's in line with his heart, it's going to feel good. It will always feel good to behave in a way that's in line with God's heart because that's how you and I were designed. And so when someone gives you something, you don't necessarily know of the sacrifice that was made in order for them to give it to you. It may have cost them financially. It may have cost their time or their energy. And in God's case, it cost them the life of his one and only son. But when you can receive a gift, you get to be part of the picture of blessing. You allow them to follow through on generosity, which actually allows them to be blessed. And so God is blessed when we accept what he so freely gives. So when God gives us things, when he lavishes his grace upon us, we shouldn't feel guilty. We shouldn't feel shame, but we should feel thankful. Because when God changes your life, you have to understand that this is who he is. This is his very nature. This is what he loves to do. This is his heart for you and I. And God wants to transform the way uh, that you live your life. And so we should always remain thankful for that. 
So what does that look like? It means actually taking a moment every day to thank God for what He's done in your life, to acknowledge the blessing of the family that you have, of the country that you live in, of the things, because it's so easy to focus on what we don't have. But when we acknowledge what we do have, it's so easy to thank God for that. Take moments to fully express yourself in praise. Why do you think these guys up the front, all, you know, there's like the worship bounce. I don't even know how to do it. They won't let me in the team. But The reason we have lights, we sing upbeat songs, we lift our hands, we raise our voices is because we're thankful. We're praising God for His goodness. We're taking moments to be intentionally thankful for what He has done for us. God's love and grace changes our lives, but it's not something that God wants us to give back. It's not something that God wants us to walk around feeling guilty and shameful about. He doesn't want us to return to the way things were. He says, remain grateful and remember how far that He has brought you. God takes delight in being generous towards you. Like he loves it. Like I'm not a dad, but I can imagine the joy of giving a gift to my kid on a birthday or Christmas and just the joy in their eyes. There's so much joy in giving. That's God's heart towards you. You know, Luke chapter five, we read a story uh, where Jesus is passing through a certain town and a man with really bad leprosy comes along and he gets down on the ground. He bows down and he's begging and he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you were willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reaches out, says, I am willing, and immediately the man's leprosy disappears. You need to know today that not only is God able, but He's willing. Like not only is God able and have the power to heal your life, to transform you, to release you from that addiction, to set you free from the bondage that you face, not only does He have the ability to forgive you of every mistake, every sin that's ever been in your life, but He's willing. He actually wants to. He takes great delight in that. God isn't just powerful, but He's present and He's personal. And so when we recognize what God has done in our life, that change should cause us to appreciate. Amen. Second thing that change should do is change should cause us to replicate. Oh, it rhymes. Appreciate and then replicate, right? Appreciate and replicate. Thank you, God. I appreciate that. And then I now want to go and replicate that. See, when God changes your life, it's so important that we see the bigger picture. God never blesses only you. He will always bless us, transform us, and change us, not only for ourselves, but for the benefit of others. See, God loves you. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but He loves you with an everlasting love. A love that you cannot change, a love that you cannot influence. He loves you perfectly at all times, but He also loves all of humanity. And so that means God wants to work in and through your life to bless other people. And when we can recognize what God has done in our life, it shouldn't cause us to sit there and just be so proud. I'm so blessed, right? Look at me like God. But rather, it should motivate us to be used by God to bring change into somebody else's life. See, God has always been about multiplication. He's always been about fruitfulness. That's why in the parable of the talents, where the master gives three different servants three different amounts of money, he goes on holiday and he comes back and one didn't multiply. The other did. The other two did, one didn't. What does he say? He says, you lazy and wicked servant. I thought that's pretty rough. But it's because everything that God gives to us, he wants it to produce more in our life and more in the lives of others. And so what does he do? He takes away from the one that didn't multiply and he puts it in the hands of those who do. This is important for us to understand. If we would be people that would multiply what God has given us, then more would be added to us. We say, God, I want more in my life. He's like, yeah, yeah, I hear that. I'm just waiting for you to understand and get a heart to multiply what I've given you so that your life wouldn't be like a reservoir where blessing was stored up just for you, but it would be like a river where it would flow through into the lives of other people. God will give more to those who multiply and replicate. 
And when you see yourself as a vessel to be used by God, all of a sudden you see your own transformation, your own growth, your own change as a far wider reaching impact. Knowing that God has blessed you should encourage and stir you on to bless other people. And Jesus teaches about this in Matthew 18. He says, the kingdom of God can be compared to a king, it's not too original, to a king who wants to settle all of his accounts with those who owe money. So this king has a particular man that owes him millions of dollars. And so he brings that man into his courts and he says, you owe me millions of dollars and it's time to pay up. But the man begins to beg and he's like, I just, I just need more time. Like I got a family, man. I got kids. Think of the kids. Think of the kids. He's like, I need more time. Like, would you please give me more time to pay the debt? And the king has compassion come over his heart. He says, all right, I'll think of the kids. Uh, he lets him go and he forgives his entire debt. I'd be pumped. That is such an amazing extension of grace and mercy and forgiveness. He set the man free. This man leaves and then he goes to his own jurisdiction. He goes to his own servants and he says, hey, you, you owe me money. Pay up. And the Bible says he grabs him by the throat. I'm like, this is, this is the first choke slam. This is hectic. And he says, you need to pay me up. Pay up. And this guy does the same thing. He begs. He's like, please just give me more time. Like, I just need more time. I've got a family, kids, think of the kids. And, and the guy's like, no, nah. chucks him in jail. He says, you're going to jail and you're going to stay there until every last cent can be paid. And I'm like thinking, if you play Monopoly, you know, it's hard to earn money in jail. Like, this is a hard situation. How's the, how's the brother going to pay it off if he's now in jail? Anyway, other people see what's going on. They're like, this ain't right, man. This, I don't know the brother, but this ain't right. And so they report him and the king brings this original guy back to his court. He says, what's going on? I extended so much grace, so much love, so much forgiveness. I set you free and then you leave here and you don't show the same level of love and grace to other people. You've lost the plot. He chucks that guy in jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It's game over. Good night, warriors. He's in there until every last cent is paid. That's millions of dollars. And Jesus doesn't just tell fun stories, but it's to teach us. And so he wraps it up in verse 35, and he says this. He says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, God's free gift of grace should set us free, but it also should be an example in the way that we should treat other people. He says, freely give as you've freely received. Matthew 10, verse 78, Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Generosity in this church has been amazing. It's honestly been one of my favorite things. Ever since like the launch team phase, before we'd even launched the church, some of you were there. What a time to be alive that was. We put out like a wish list of toys and items we needed in our kids' spaces, in our cafe. Like everything that you see as part of this church space was at one point pretty much not in this room. It had to come up the stairs. That's a lot of stuff up a lot of stairs. And people were just so generous. They, they bought items. They sponsored things for the stage, for the cafe. We've seen people sponsoring people for like Replenish Conference, the giving of their time, their energy, giving whatever they can. It's been amazing. And you know why this church has grown so quickly and is affecting so many people? is because God looks at us and he sees that we're a generous people. This is so important. It means we're not just focused on the person on it like ourselves, but we are on the person to our left and our right. We're not just focused on those who are in the room, but those that are not yet here with us. And so when God looks at us, He goes, those are people I can trust. Those are people I can bring more to. I can increase their influence because it's not gonna stop with them. It's gonna flow through them into the lives of other people. I love that we have a generous church. And there was a young couple um, that told me a story the other day. This happened really recently. Young couple in our church. Um, maybe Keys, you can join me. That would be awesome. And they were telling me how 
a particular person felt prompted to bless them. And so that someone heard from God and, and felt like they were told, bless this couple with a portion of money, and they were obedient to God, which is always what we should do, right? Just, just do what God says, and your life will, honestly, it'll work out for you. Um, and they're obedient to God. They blessed this couple with some money, and this couple were taken back. They, they just couldn't believe it. They were thanking God, but they were like I used to be. They didn't quite know how to accept the gift. They felt a little awkward, but they felt so loved. They felt so appreciated. They felt so acknowledged. And as they received that gift, something in them started to stir. Something in them started to rise up. They were living firsthand in that very moment in the blessing of generosity. And so as they received that gift, they were stirred up to pay it forward. And on this particular day, uh, they were here and they were in different parts of the room, not really like hanging out like as a couple because... They were on mission. They were here to do the thing. And then when they met up later in the day, one of them shared with the other. They said, hey, I think God's prompting me. He's been telling me that we need to bless this person in a certain way. And it shocked the other person. They're like, that's exactly what God's been telling me as well. And so individually, God was prompting these two different people to bless somebody else in a different way. And so they themselves just decided, you know what? We're just going to be obedient to God. And, they're gonna, and then they did that. And so then they chose to bless this other person in a different way. You know, when God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. And, and this is not just about finance. Finance is just a small part of the picture. But God's grace that picks us up when we mess up, that brings freedom to our life, that gives us a clear head and a pure heart, everything that God has given to us, it should cause us to appreciate. But then we should say, God, I'm so blessed that I would love to be part of the picture where you would use me to bring that to somebody else's world. If we could replicate what God has done in our life and others. Now we can't change someone's life, but we can be used by God to bring change to them as God would prompt us to share, to be generous, to speak, to accommodate, to host, to be in their world. Now in the opening verse of Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. He says, I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So Abraham goes and God blesses. But that's not the end of the story. If we keep reading on in the verse, it says, I will bless you. God says to Abraham and you will be a blessing and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So God's like, I'm gonna bless your life, but understand that part of that package is I now want to use your life to influence other people. You need to be reminded this morning that our Father in heaven is like a generous dad. He extends to us that free gift of grace. It's grace that renews us. It's grace that transforms us. It's grace that forgives us. It's grace that leaves us changed. And because He's generous, He doesn't want us to give the change back. He says, the change is yours. Now make sure that you stay changed and don't go back to the way things were. Change should cause us to appreciate and change should cause us to replicate. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're our heavenly Father, that your love for us is imperfect. And although not every person in this room would have had a perfect relationship with their dad, uh, we acknowledge that you're very different from that. In fact, you're very different from every person that we would ever meet because you're holy, you're perfect and you're always 100% on our side. And I pray in this moment, as I've shared some words, I pray people would have got a glimpse of your heart, that would be reminded of your love for them, that you take great delight in being generous towards them. I pray that you transform their life. And as they acknowledge what you've done in their world, God, would you help them to appreciate and would you help them to replicate? 
in Jesus' name. I'm gonna pray one final prayer. I just invite everyone just to keep their eyes closed and head bowed. Maybe you found yourself here in the service today. Maybe you've been a church person for a long time or you've only just started coming. It doesn't matter. Either way, the truth is the truth and you need to know that God loves you so very much. And the reason that He sent His Son to the cross, like I explained earlier, is because a punishment needed to be paid for sin. But Jesus took that punishment on Himself and He died on a cross so that God could look at your life and say, there's no longer a debt owed. It's already been paid by someone on your behalf. And if you're here today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity. This is an invitation from God to you. You don't need to sort your life out. You don't need to get anything in order, but He's saying, would you come home today? He's been waiting. His arms are opening. He's smiling and He's saying, would you come home? I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. If you're saying my life is not right with God, maybe you're a church person, that's okay. God needs you to be a Jesus person. He needs you to have a relationship with Him. That's why He died, not so you could come to church, but so that you could know Him. And if you don't know Him today, I invite you to pray this prayer. I'll pray it out loud. You just pray it in your heart, but you make it your own prayer. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I've made mistakes. I've gone my own way. But today in this moment, God, I want freedom. I want forgiveness and I want breakthrough. God, I ask you to forgive me and make me brand new today. Make me clean and give me a fresh start. In this moment, I ask you to come into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. And I don't know how it all works, but God, in this moment, I'm choosing to trust you. I declare in this moment that you're my God and I am your child. In Jesus' name. With every eye still closed and head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to take one final step of bravery. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna stand you up. I'm not gonna call you out, but I just want you to put your hand up nice and high in just a moment. I'm gonna count down from three. If that was you, I want you to lift your hand. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it straight back down. That was you. You prayed that prayer. You meant it. Today is your day. This is your moment. Lift your hand in three, two, one. Go now. Awesome. Amazing on my right. Is there anybody else on my left? Amazing. Praise God. Is there anybody else? You prayed that prayer. You meant it. Today is your day to get your life right with God. 